Good evening, Chicago. You're listening to WDRV The Drive, the only station playing all your favorite disco hits. The time is 6.30 p.m., the date is July 12th, and the sun's just starting to go down. I'm here to give you the rundown on everything happening in our wonderful city tonight. The White Sox are playing the Detroit Tigers, though I'd steer clear if I was you. Nothing good's gonna happen in Comiskey Park tonight. Now, I know you only listen to The Drive, so you might not have heard, but that nasty shock jock over at 97.9 has got some nasty things planned. A big old explosion. And what's the tinder? All the disco records you ever heard of. And then some. Instead, why not avoid the whole affair completely and go on over just a couple of blocks to the legendary Heaven's Limelight, jewel of the Chicago nightlife. The groovy little joint is closed down to the public tonight for a private affair. Ken Valentine, owner and proprietor of the illustrious Valentine Records, is turning 55 tonight. Happy birthday, Ken. He made over half the records I sling in here, even if they won't let you in. It's worth hanging around outside. After all, you never know who might show up, and you never know what they might do. The guest list is star-studded, and you, dear listener, just might grab their attention. Some people would kill for an opportunity like this. to Murder Mystery Night, the podcast, brought to you by Johnny Scott's Comics and Games, located at 1703 East Main Street, Kent, Ohio. This is Death by Disco, Chapter 1. I'm your host, Riley Walton, and here to introduce themselves in order of most excited to be here are your players. I'm Yasir Pope, and I play Maximus Rust, punk rock star. Hi, I'm Ben Lambert. I'm playing Steel Harding, a.k.a. William Johnson, and if you couldn't tell by the name, he's an adult film actor. Hi, my name is Nahela Whitecloud. Today I'm playing Molly Silvers, a pampered disco queen ready to get her spot in the spotlight. What wonderful introductions those were. And so, dear listeners, I invite you to close your eyes unless you're driving and to drift back to a year called 1979. A stretched limousine rides down the streets of Chicago. Inside it, the hottest new punk rocker of the age, Maximus Rust. He's a darker-skinned gentleman with, sil- with a silky black headband, a blondie Peril Lines album tee, maroon corduroy pants, and black low-top chucks that pair nicely with his black leather jacket. He's got his afro blow-dried, and he's sitting next to the one-time most sought-after woman on the screen, Molly Silvers. She's got fiery red ginger hair that's tied up above her head. She's adorned in a black gemstone jumpsuit and a white ascot. Her deep blue eyes are like daggers, and they shoot straight at her husband. All right, you see her, Mahela. Take us inside that limousine. What's on your mind? What are you talking about? What do you say to each other? And what don't you say? Let's just go in here, have a good night. No need to make a scene. I'm not the one wearing that miserable punk shirt, so I think I'll be just fine. Well, this miserable punk shirt uh, that the band designed, uh, they sold more records than you, so. I think she would just sit there for a while and turn back in her seat. I'm sorry. And get very quiet. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Molly Silvers has been cut deeper than her dagger-like eyes could cut another. As she sits back in silence, her husband Maximus Rust sits back in silent sorrow. The limousine pulls up, the driver stops, and the door is opened for the two of them. Molly can't help but notice it's opened on Maximus's side. The two step out and approach the Heaven's Limelight, most legendary nightclub in all of Chicago. Outside are crowds and crowds of fans. Some are calling out for Maximus, some are calling out for Molly, and some are calling out just to call out. They walk under the canopy and up towards the bouncer. He opens the door right away. Ah, I see it right here. Maximus Rust and Guest. They didn't put my name down. It's Molly Silvers. I'm sure you recognize me. Oh, oh, of, of course, ma'am. I'm sorry. It's just, well, you know, it's been a couple of years. Mo Molly Silvers, disco queen. I made my debut a couple years ago in L.A. I was in the, the movie uh, Mirrorball Mania. You put out an album? Of course she did. It was amazing. Most, one of my favorite albums I've ever listened to in my life. Molly shakes her head, and the two walk inside. And inside, the heaven's limelight lives up to everything they've ever been told. It's got the biggest dance floor this side of the Mississippi, an open bar that Ken's already paid for, and live music being performed at the front. But the centerpiece of the heaven's limelight is, and always has been, the VIP pyramid room. Made out of the same tinted glass that lines the windows, anybody inside the pyramid room can see out, but nobody can see in. It gets its name from its shape, and it hovers. Yes, it hovers feet above the dance floor. So high, in fact, that the disco ball itself hangs down. Steel wire holds the pyramid room up, and only the most important of the important people know what's inside. It's only accessible through two steel-covered bridges that lead to either of the exits and entrances. Neither Maximus or Molly have ever been inside the pyramid room. They only know the rumors they've heard of it. It makes Molly more worried than it makes Max. Okay, Molly, Max, you're both inside. Uh, what are you going to do? I'm going to go to Max first. You want to ask for some drinks. So you're going up to the bar? Yes. Uh, Molly, are you following? Yes, I will follow him. All right. Molly and Max approach the bar, and there they can see the bartender. From his shoulders and lack of gut, you can tell he's a muscular man. Uh, he looks maybe Italian, but the clothes that he's wearing, they really hide his musculature. He's got brown, almost black hair, and piercing blue eyes. Molly, he looks like some of the supermodels that you might have had a photo shoot with. Uh, if only he could get that dumb, goofy grin off his face. He smiles and he waves you over to the bar as he can see you approaching. Uh, he's, his teeth, beautiful white color. Uh, as you approach the bar... You can see his name tag says Tony, and I'm going to ask you uh, to start your interaction with him. So I will step forward first, and I will take a look at the gentleman at the bar, and I'll kind of tilt my head to the side a bit, and I say, haven't I, haven't I modeled with you before? Oh, me? Uh, Tony seems very flustered. Me? No, you've never modeled with me before, but of course that would be just uh, an honor to have ever been uh in the same room as the illustrious molly silvers well look around you you're in the same room with me right now he cannot stop blushing max what is your reaction to this i step in between them and say and so am i i am also in this room maximus russ nice to meet you oh oh yes of course i i i also know you i i don't listen to your music that much but uh my my girlfriend does well 
she doesn't. The guy she lives with does, and he, she tells me about it, and she... I know who you are also, sir. <laughs> uh, 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 what, what'll... <laughs> uh, what'll, what'll you drink? Jameson, please, thank you. Yes, yes, of course. And for the lady? Just one of your nicest sparkling champagnes. Ah, the first bottle of the night. Uh, don't let my girlfriend see me. No, <laughs> but why wouldn't she be able to? <laughs> uh, she's not even here yet. Okay, uh, I'm going to open it now. <laughs> Tony fumbles with the bottle of champagne. Normally, uh, being able to do fun stuff with his hands is his most favorite part of this job. I'm going to cut away from you two, and I'm going to go right back outside as we see a town car arrive outside the nightclub, outside the Heaven's Limelight. And who should be sitting in it but Steel Harding? He's got long, curly, dark hair. He's scruffy with a longer mustache that stands out against the rest of his facial hair. Hazel eyes, sharp features, 6'2", and very lean. He's dressed like a less extravagant version of Freddie Mercury. He steps out of the car, and some of the crowd actually goes silent. They can recognize him, and they can't believe he's here. Steel approaches the doorman, and... Steel? Ah, uh, hey, bud. Uh, can you let me on past? The doorman chuckles to himself. He seems to recognize you, too. <laughs> I didn't think, uh... I didn't think you'd be at this party. But then again, I guess Ken always was. Well... You hear rumors. I look the doorman up and down, and I say, Oh, so, uh, you're familiar with my work, then? Yeah, your, uh, your pictures and your stories. <laughs> and he laughs a little, and he laughs to himself. You just go on in. <laughs> As you enter the Heaven's Limelight uh, steel, you can look out and you see uh, over at the bar... You see uh, Maximus Rust and Molly Silvers, and you see approaching the bar is a blonde woman who you know. Uh, although last time you saw her, she had just broken up with her boyfriend, who was a line cook. You can also see a waiter coming through with a tray of hors d'oeuvres, but doesn't really look like he knows what he's doing. He's sort of dropping stuff everywhere. Uh, where are you going? Uh, so I walk over to the bar. Um, I'm going to pick up... Uh, one of the hors d'oeuvres off the ground and just gently place it in the waiter's hand and give it a light pat and keep walking. As you leave, uh, it's a little hard to tell, but the waiter clearly resents you. Yeah, I expected that. Um, I'm going to keep walking on over to the bar and uh, rekindle an old flame. All right, you go up to the blonde woman, and uh, she doesn't seem to notice you at first. How are you going to get her attention? Hey there. Um, and I'm going to, once she looks over my way, go point at the pyramid um, hanging above the, the dance floor. And I'm going to say, uh, you know, we're pretty familiar with those, aren't we? Uh, the woman turns around and she can't believe her eyes. <gasps> oh my god! It's, oh, it's Willie! Hi! How are you? I haven't seen you since... Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in so long. I didn't expect to see a friendly face here. How are you? What are you doing here? How do you... And then she gets this sad, sunken look on her face, and she says to, she says to you, Oh, honey, how do you know Ken? Ah, uh, you know, when you start meeting people out here in L.A., you know, 
one thing leads to another. You make some connections. You know, he's just a, he's a guy in the business. I like to keep my reputation about me. I like to meet nice people, powerful people, because, I mean, I am 28. That's pretty old for our line of work. Uh, Going to retire soon. Maybe a man like Ken can help me figure something else out. I like to keep my options open. Oh, open options. That's what Ken's all about. That's what I hear. Oh, she rolls her eyes and she exhales lightly as she goes. Uh, she steps out of line from the bar. She motions for you to follow. She leans against the bar. She's not going to end up ordering anything. She says, Oh, honey, if you think Ken can help ail you of your old age, then you just haven't heard right. Hey, I'm not too interested in Ken himself. I'm interested in the people he knows. <laughs> yeah, well, he knows me, honey, and I'm pretty sure he knows me the same way he knows you. Um, I'm going to, upon hearing that, um, give her, like, very wide eyes, kind of signaling, like, hey, let's not talk about this. She, uh, she catches your signal. You two have known each other for a while. You've known each other better than some people have known each other. Uh, and she, she nods her head. She says, yeah, well, all right. If you see Ken whenever he comes in, point him in my direction. Him and I have got some stuff to talk about. All right, uh, gonna cut away from you, and we are going to go back outside one last time and meet our final player. An old rusted-out Honda parks in the parking lot down the street. Out of it steps a five-two skinny, fat Asian man in a bright red bucket hat, bright red button-down, light-washed jeans, and tank top. His chunky white shoes patter heavily and quickly on the pavement as he rushes his way to the heaven's limelight. His gold chains knock against each other as he runs on down the street. Coming upon the door to the nightclub, he sees the crowds of people gathered outside. Some of them recognize him. Most of them don't. He comes up to the bouncer and announces himself. Hey, I'm DJ Flowright. Can, can I get in? Uh, I don't recognize you. Uh, you, I, you might know my manager. Um... His name is Ken, Ken Valentine. Oh, please! You and everybody else in this line must be represented by Ken Valentine. No, I really... Ken! Ken! Hey! Sorry, son. Ken ain't here yet. If I don't see your name on this list, and I don't see anybody by the name of Flo Wright, then you ain't getting in. Well, do you have my... Real name? Say that again one more time, sonny. It's Kevin Flandel. Kevin Flandel? Everyone calls me DJ Flowright. That's that's important that's the important part. You don't have to mention the other one. I just is is that name on your list? I'll look down here for a Kevin Flandel. The bouncer flips a couple of pages and sees it on the second. Hey, sorry about that. Come right in. Thanks. He opens the door and DJ Flowright, or as we know I'm Kevin walks right in. As he does, he enters into a world of disco beauty and can hear behind him crowds cheering, No, dude, I'm Kevin, I'm Kevin. <laughs> DJ Flo, right? You walk into the party. Uh, what are you, you going to do? Where are you going to go? Or are you going to look around? What are you going to do? I look around. All right, you can see a lot of stuff happening. The bar is largely empty. Uh, you see somebody talking to a blonde woman over in the corner. You think you might recognize both of them, but you're not really sure. And uh, 
Over, over on the other side of the dance floor, you can see a waiter is getting yelled at by... No, it can't be. Holy shit! Is that Sigourney Weaver? Um, I'll go over to chat with the two young ladies at the bar. You go up to the bar. The two young ladies have gotten their drink and they start to leave, but the bartender is still there, of course. Hey, I, um, I'm, I'm DJ Flo, right? I, I think I know those two girls. Do you, did you catch their names by any chance? Those two girls? Well, everybody knows one of them. One of them's Bo Derek. The other one, I didn't catch her name. Oh, really? Bo Derek's here. I guess there are a lot of famous people at this party, huh? <laughs> kind of nervous. Yeah, you can say that again. Why are you nervous? And what you drinking? Uh, how much is everything? Oh, oh, open bar tonight. Everything's on Ken. I'll just have a... You know what? You Whatever you pick for me, make sure it's on the rocks. You got it. Uh, he starts to mix your drink. He's doing a lot of fancy moves with his hands. You can tell he's really enjoying it himself. That's the part of the job you must suspect that, that he, he enjoys the most, doing stuff with his hands. Uh, once he's done... He hands you uh, Manhattan on the rocks. Thanks. He says, you know, it's pretty weird to drink a Manhattan on the rocks. That's a martini. Most people don't get ice in those. Yeah, well, I get brain freeze really easy, so. So you wanted more ice? No, it's just if, I, if the ice is there in the cup, then I can sort of, like, still get the cold drink, but not, like, have it, you know? <laughs> you don't go to many parties, do you, Bart? This is my first one. Hey, Could that's you tell? A... I think I'm playing it pretty smooth. I think you're playing it pretty smooth too, buddy. Why Thanks. don't you? Well, okay. What'd you call this again? It's a martini. That's it's what I a... tell everybody. It is. That's a Manhattan, buddy. All right. Cool. That's one of the most basic drinks there is. Well, um, can you put like some lime in it? In a Manhattan? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think technically, gonna... I think it could be like more fancy that way. You don't think? Listen, I understand that some of you rich people have bad taste. I'm not very rich. Uh, You're I just... not very rich? Then what are you doing here? Well, I'm actually, I'm DJ Flo, right? I don't, I think I So you've myself. said. Kevin, right? <laughs> we don't have to mention Kevin. That's not important here. DJ, that stands for disc jockey. You one of Ken's new kids? Yeah, yeah, Ken. You don't look like a punk rocker to me. He wants to broaden, he sees potential in me. So what kind of potential? You on the radio? You 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 do stuff like uh, K Drive or stuff something like that? No, but I will be getting there one day. You'll be getting on the disco station? No, like rap, because I'm a rapper. DJ Flow, right? Like a rapper name? Is that? I don't know what that is. This is 1979. <laughs> well, I promise you, it is the future of music, and Ken said so. So. Yeah, well... Keep that in mind. Well, my impression, I get... Ken says a lot of things. I got other customers, but... You enjoy that Manhattan on the rocks. He taps your shoulder and he rolls his eyes as he says Manhattan on the rocks and goes off to talk to other people. You get the sense that uh, you'll end up spending most of the night at the bar on your own. All right, DJ Flo, right? We're going to leave you at the bar totally definitely gonna come back so if we don't assume that something terrible has happened actually this might be an editorialization but you're nodding your head there i want if you're not okay with this just stop me but i want the audience to know that if we don't return to you they can assume it's because you've fallen asleep and you think that the audience is a bunch of stupid stink faces 
Yes, you're nodding because you're definitely still here. That's so amazing. I'm going to edit this joke out later. Uh, Max left. He had to leave early. Uh, <laughs> so, now that DJ Flo Wright has planted himself at the bar for the rest of the night, let's turn our attention back to Maximus Rust. Max, you've gotten your drink. You're drinking it. Uh, I'm going to let you tell me what you see. I'm sitting over at the bar next to my wife, Molly, sipping on my Jameson on the rocks. I see Steel Harding has arrived in the building, watched a few videos on tour. <laughs> Me and Molly don't really, you know. Molly, you, you know who Steel Harding is. And of course, uh, as with any professional in that line of work, you have heard some rumors about Steel, uh, about the preferences he might have in the world. And uh, you can notice your husband has looked over to him. And even though you're busy holding the bartender, Tony, in the palm of your hands, uh, I would like to know what, if any, is your reaction to this situation? Well, naturally, I was going to confront my husband about kind of coming at the barkeep here. But seeing him glance over and almost blush at Steel Harding, I kind of elbow him in the side and I say, honey, what's with, the, uh, what's with the look on your face? You're looking a little red. I could say the same for you. That champagne isn't the only thing that's been sparkling since we've walked over here. You and that bartender getting a little bit too toasty for my liking. Uh, at hearing this, the bartender interjects and he goes, oh, oh, sir, sir, I don't mean to imply anything. Obviously, your wife is lovely and I've seen her movies, and, but I am very happily... Uh, with somebody right now. Uh, I, I could never imagine uh, uh, doing anything like that. I, I have to get uh, I have to get other customers. Uh, you, sir, and the bartender, Tony, he turns to Steel. He says, Steel, uh, I assume Steel. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know your name. Uh, that's not the kind of thing that I watch. Although, also, I don't know what kind of thing that that is. So, I... Of course I don't watch it, because I don't know what it is. Uh, would you like a drink, sir? I, uh, tightly grasp his hand, give him a nice handshake, and say, uh, what's easiest for you, Tony? I don't want to make your life too hard. Uh, Tony, after shaking your hand, he you notice he wipes his hand on his apron. It's almost like an instinct to him. And, uh, he says, oh, well, nothing's too complicated, but I could make you just a, a simple drink, something maybe, uh, a, a just some scotch and coke or something like that if you like it. Or I could make you something a little <clears throat> fruitier. Right. Straight absinthe, Tony, please. Tony's eyes go wide for a second. He pauses. You got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, straight absinthe. He gets out uh, a smaller glass, like a whiskey glass. And he, uh, he gets the absinthe, and he looks at you, and he says, All right, buddy, tell me when. And he starts to pour. I do not tell him when. He's going to fill that glass. And fill that glass he does. Uh, Tony feels it would be irresponsible, especially before the guest of honor has even arrived to his own birthday party. 
to give you any more absinthe than that, so he just slides it down to you, and uh, he uh, goes to help Sigourney Weaver down at the end of the bar. Uh, you two, you can see each other. Uh, our two groups, all three, because DJ Flowright is definitely still here, but Molly Silvers and Maximus Rust, their argument is getting a little bit louder and steely. You're standing right next to them. You could tell that, uh, that Max was looking at you before this argument erupted. Are you going to intervene at all, or are you just going to walk away? Uh, I'm going to take a big old sip of my absinthe, um, swallow it down, uh, walk on over there, and uh, kind of look Max up and down and say, Oh, um, you're, the, you're the new music guy on the scene, right? And Molly, of course, I, you know, job offer's still there. Max, your reaction? Max spits out his Jameson almost slamming his glass down to the counter, nearly breaking it. What do you mean the job offer is still there? Sorry, uh, that was probably overreaching. Um, I've just heard things about you being looking for work. I can't imagine why. I mean, you were the disco queen. Well, I'm glad somebody's recognizing it, and I kind of dart my eyes just kind of back, almost shooting daggers all the way at the front to the bouncer. The bouncer is ever vigilant. And does not notice. Max takes another look at Still and looks at Molly. He doesn't like the order that he's getting. He doesn't like that question, how far stretched it is. Listen, pal, don't you got a movie to go off and go shoot? Why don't you take your little whatever this lame drink is, because it isn't Jameson, and you sip it and walk somewhere else? Uh, Max, right? Uh, that's your name. I am familiar with your work as well. Um, you're both rather successful. I saw a little bit of an altercation going on around here. I don't mean to insinuate anything about anyone walking in here. My line of work is a respectable line of work. I don't believe you have the right to sling my husband's name around. Max looks over at Molly, surprised that she is supporting him for once. He adds on to what she has to say by lastly telling still respectable, respectable. Right, right. That's why I'm on the main stage in the red carpets and you're stashed away in my box of VHS tapes labeled Triple X. Steel, you can't help but notice you are stashed away in his box of VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Last reaction before her. Um, I raise my glass um, and I say, well, I'm glad you're keeping me employed. Um, and I smirk, walk away, um, very happy that I made them come together about something. Steel, as you walk away, uh, you can't really, outside the window, it's really hard to see past the crowd. You know, it's got tinted windows all around, so the crowd can't see inside, but you definitely can see outside, and the crowd is going absolutely ballistic at something. Somebody is coming into the room. Who could it be? The doors fly open, and who else but Ken fucking Valentine. Ken Valentine in his velvet white suit and his crushed purple dress shirt opened up down to his navel cavity. Golden rings and chains adore his neck and fingers. Golden sunglasses adorn his eyes and you can't help but notice he won't take them off even though his, he's inside. His large bushy gray mustache is an interesting counterpoint to his balding gray head. And on his shoulder stands Lola Valentine. Once upon a time, she was the most sought-after woman on the screen of Hollywood.
but that was 20 years ago, back when she used to have a show. Now her face is steely, and her resolve is as ice cold as her heart. She married Ken when she was 29, and he was 45. But the years go by so fast, and as she looks at him, all she can think to herself is, I used to be so much younger than that man. They enter the room and immediately take to the dance floor. But Ken stops as he sees Steele standing there. He turns to go sit down, but there stands Stacy Bush. So finally, he makes his way over to the bar. First, he starts heading towards DJ Flo Wright, but he can see he's still drinking his drink. Oh, DJ Flo Wright, how are you, my boy? But uh, DJ Flo Wright, he can't speak. He's got alcohol in his mouth, and he just sort of nods his head, and he gives a thumbs up, and Ken can tell that... Uh, Flo Wright isn't really enjoying himself as much as he can, and uh, maybe he's a little scared to get out there and mingle with the people. And So Ken taps him on the back, and he says, You're being too quiet, son. It's like somebody died, he says, because of irony. Ken turns back to the bar, and he goes up to Tony. Molly, you look over at Tony again tonight, and you can see he's got... He looks a little angry when he sees Ken. You know, this is Tony is a sweetheart. You haven't seen him like this. That anger flashes only for a second. Tony hides it away again. Ken comes up. He says, uh, Amaro Ramazzotti. Tony nods his head and pours the Amaro, Ram the Amaro Ramazzotti uh, with just no joie de vivre, no joy. It's just he's doing a job and he's pouring it. Molly, you are, by this point, you're both still at the bar. You haven't left. And you're sitting right next to... Uh, you're sitting right next to Ken Valentine, and I want to know how that is for you. I think uh, what her husband sees, at least, is she slightly rolls her eyes to the back of her skull, though she knows that's not possible, and she musters her best smile and gingerly turns around and looks at Ken and says, Well, happy birthday, Ken. I hope you got something nice. Max, this is the love of your life, and she is being passive-aggressive to your closest friend and your boss. What's your reaction? Max gives her a frantic look quickly, you know, signaling, signal, signaling that she should chill because his contract and reputation and money is on the line. She gets the hint and he excitedly, fake, but excitedly lifts his arms up, almost spilling his Jameson over Ken's suit and says, Kenny! Ken smiles and he joins in the cheering, but you can see he also moves your hand away from his crushed velvet suit and he says, Maxie, my boy, I hope you and your wife haven't been spending the entire night at the bar, have you? Uh, yeah, but we're enjoying ourselves and she has a name, Ken, it's Molly. Thank you. That, uh, Max, you might not have intended it, but that might have been the most you've ever stood up to Ken Valentine before. And he's taken aback for a second. I think Molly grabs her husband's arm, not in like a forceful way or anything, but in a ginger, very thankful way, because that was quite surprising to her, and kind of just croons her head at Mr. Ken and says, well, that's all right. Accidents do happen, but I will see you later tonight. Enjoy the party. Molly, do you remember that flash of anger that went across Tony's face earlier? Well, now it's back to Ken. And Molly, you have to admit to yourself, you've always had a talent for pissing off powerful men. Ever since you were a kid and you were hanging out with Roman Polanski and you slapped him right across the face. From then, it's only been uphill until now you pissed off Ken Valentine. Ken takes a deep breath, he shakes his head, and he starts to leave before stopping and saying, 
Oh, and, uh, Maxi Boy. I'm gonna be up in the pyramid room all night. I, uh, don't want to be too disturbed, so if you see, uh, Steel Harding and Stacy Bush, well, just try to tell them I've stepped outside. Ken takes off leaving. We're gonna go back to you, Steel. Uh, what have you been doing during all of this? Where are you standing? What are you doing? So after I saw Ken Valentine walk in, um, I have finished my drink immediately after seeing him. I would like to remind everybody his drink was an entire whiskey glass of absinthe. Steel Harding is hashtag going through it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he lights up a cigarette, which at this point is probably not a good idea because his breath is flammable. Um, and he is going to go over to the dance floor and just try to dance it off with whoever wants to dance. So Steel, you walk over to the dance floor, you start dancing. You start dancing with the first person you can find, and the first person you can find is famous movie star and handsome, handsome man, Richard Gere. Ken Valentine can see you dancing with him, and he starts his way towards the stairs to the steel covered bridge and in towards the tinted glass of the pyramid room. You don't spend too much time looking, uh, but you can see that Stacy Bush follows him up the stairs after waiting a couple of minutes. I take a break from grinding my gear, um, and I go uh, follow Stacy um, up the stairs because I'm just like, oh, yeah, she wanted me to go talk to Ken, and I should probably also go talk to Ken. All right, I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to cut away from you one last time. Molly and Max, are you guys still over at the bar with Tony? I would actually, uh, I was still holding my husband's arm kind of as a quiet thank you because she does not voice much of her emotion. But she would kind of grab his arm, look towards the dance floor, and kind of nudge him and say, well, how about it? We haven't danced in a while. Max finally puts down the Jameson, takes her hand, and just pulls her to the dance floor without saying anything back. You two make your way off to Boogie Wonderland, and as you do, uh, you can see Lola Valentine making her way over to the bar. Uh, she's looking straight into Tony's eyes, and Tony can see her coming up, and he's nodding his head. Here she comes. Uh, but Lola falls, and she hits the ground. Um, I would absolutely go to help her, as she is a powerful woman that I respect, and I would help her pick up her items and make sure she's okay, and I'd look at her and say, oh my goodness, darling, are you all right? Molly, as your arm comes down and lifts her up, uh, you can see the contents of her purse have spilled out everywhere. Uh including a money clip with easily, easily $7,000 in it. All of it in hundreds. You can see lip gloss. You can see nail polish that's now spilled out onto the dance floor. A little bit of concealer, a package of razor blades, and a little vial with some white powder in it. Uh, that is one that Lola grabs very quickly and shoves back into her, back into her purse and she chuckles to herself. Oh dear, she says. You know, I used to look just like you. I suppose we all have to keep young somehow. And she pats you on the shoulder and she thanks you for helping her stand up. And I would like to kind of like just hold her arm as she's walking by. And I'll lean in very close to her ear and whisper, Don't worry about that little vial. We all have our, sweet, our secrets. She nods her head and she makes her way over to the bar. And you can't see what she orders, but you've got to assume it must be strong.
Do you go off to keep dancing with your husband? Yes, after helping her and seeing she's all right, I will turn back to my husband apologetically and just say, no, I, I just had to help her out, that's all. But I'm back now. Steel, you and Stacy make your way under the steel-covered bridge. It's held up by steel wires, and it's sort of swaying back and forth, and you imagine once you get into the pyramid room, that'll sway back and forth as well. Uh, you knock on the little door there, and the door opens up, and Ken Valentine is standing on the other side. He has ditched his crushed velvet suit, and he is now only in a bathrobe. He is still holding his Amaro Ramazzotti, but it's it's a lot lower than it was. Uh, you and Stacy are standing at the door. Stacy enters. She looks angry. Ken is standing there. He looks angry. Steel, how do you look? What do you do? Um... Steel is also angry deep down for different reasons, um, but he can't really let that show right now. So instead, he's going to diffuse the situation. He's going to look Ken up and down and say, well, a little early for the birthday suit, birthday boy. Ken slams his drink down, and the last of it comes spilling out. Oh, it's just the worst position you've seen me in. And it's far from the worst position anybody's seen you in either. At this point, I'd also like to describe what the inside of the pyramid room looks like. It is, it has red velvet curtains that come down in sort of a swooping motion uh, and then straight down since it is a pyramid. Uh, they do have to get from the ceiling to the ground somehow. Also hanging down in the middle, uh, sort of as a reflection of how the disco ball hangs down just below the pyramid room, uh, hangs a crystal chandelier. There is a large bed with red and pink bedding, uh, as well as a nice, beautiful uh, shag carpet, also in red, and a small, uh, a small sitting area, and a table as well. Of course, there's two doors on either side where somebody can come or go. Ken is standing next to the bed, onto which he has just thrown his very bitter Amaro Ramazzotti, Steel and Stacy are standing opposite him. Steel, he's just insulted you uh, and your work. What is your reaction? Well, what position do you want to see me in, Ken? Don't ask questions you don't want the answer to, boy. Stacy interjects and uh, she throws $200 cash at Ken's feet. Ken, you know why we are both here. Just give us what we want and we'll be on our way. This only costs $200? I have that in cash right now, Ken. Oh, it doesn't cost $200 for you. It costs $200 for the woman. You've got a lot more at stake, and so do I. Do you take me for a fool that you can blackmail? I reach into my boot. Ken is not paying attention. I take you any way I want. I take the knife out of my boot, and I point it at his throat. There's going to be a whole lot more on the line if you don't let me out of this right this second. It's not worth your life. Ken's eyes go wide with fear. Steel, you and Stacy have seen Ken in a way that very few people ever did. Ken is not a vulnerable person. And you understand that a lot of the personality he puts out outwardly is a facade. But here that facade drops completely. Ken's eyes go wide. His hands jump to the back of him. The tapes are under the bed. Just, just, just take them. Just take them and go. I do not go take them. I instead 
am going to stomp on him right then and there. You stomp on the tapes, you destroy them, and you turn to leave out the door opposite to the one you entered. Ken stops you and he says, Wait, wait, Sean, that'll, uh, that'll take you down to the kitchen. You need to exit out the other door if you're going back down to the, to the party. I've got what I came for. I don't have any reason to be here anymore. Kitchen or party or wherever the hell, that's it from Steel Harding. Good night, I retire. As you leave, uh, you also see Stacy still standing in the, uh, in the pyramid lounge. Since you took that knife out of your boot, she has been completely silent. Thinking back on the course of your life, Stacy Bush is your oldest friend. And she is looking at you, she does not recognize who she sees anymore. You exit, you go down into the kitchen, you come out behind the bar. And there's Tony standing there. Sorry, too much absinthe. And I walk from the other way. Tony stops you and he asks, just very briefly, he says he does have to do his job very sheepishly. He does ask if Ken has finished his drink yet and if he needs another. Let Ken drink himself to death. Yes, he's done with his first drink. And Tony lets you go. He opens up the, the little door on the bottom of the bar. You squeeze right out. Uh, you're walking past the dance floor. You turn back, you know. Uh, you turn back, you see DJ Flowrider still at the bar. He definitely heard everything you just said. As you're walking, you crash into that waiter I've been describing. The one whose hors d'oeuvre you picked up off the ground and handed it to him. He hits the ground, you hit the ground. The waiter is, we'll say he's about in his 40s, his early 40s. Uh, and he's just a sad looking man. He's got deep bags under his eyes. and lets out a loud huff and he says... Ah, Jesus Lord. I knew this party wasn't wasn't right to sneak in here. He stands up. He shakes his head off. Uh, do you say anything to him? This party isn't worth a damn. And the waiter, he sighs out loudly. Huh, you got that right. I came in here hoping to find somebody. They must be out somewhere. He picks up his tray, he picks up his hors d'oeuvres, and he heads back into the kitchen. I will take the chance to describe... The setting here, one more time. Steel Harding, you're picking yourself up off the floor. You've just threatened a man who you clearly have a very long history with and who is one of the most powerful men in one of the most powerful cities in the world. Molly, you've also pissed this man off quite a bit, but you've done so to protect your own reputation. And Max, you're close, close friends with this man, possibly the closest friends you've ever been. But you've just shown uh, the rare instance where you're willing to sacrifice that friendship for not your own reputation, but the reputation of your wife. And DJ Flowright, well, your reputation, it was lacking when you came in, and it's not any better now. The party rages on for another couple minutes, but suddenly you hear, coming from, well, you don't really know coming from where. Ba-doom! The, the crowd outside, you've heard their, their screams, but their screams start to take on a, a different sound. They're not ecstatic anymore. They're afraid. They're running off in all different directions, and everybody at the party, they're running out towards the windows, towards the tinted glass. The crowd is beginning to dissipate. DJ Flowright, do you join them? Max, the person, not the character, he's nodding his head. Uh, DJ Flowright, you leave your lime a Manhattan on the rocks, and you go running over to the window to see what's happening. Steal... You're almost at the door. Do you turn around? Do you go look at the window? Might as well. Molly? Yes, and I grab my husband's arm and I take him with me. All four of you are now standing at the window. You can see what's riled people up, but you can only see the after effects of it. There, above the Chicago skyline, rising up into the night sky, is a fireball. And then suddenly again, ba-doom! And an even larger explosion rises up into the sky. It looks almost like it's coming from, if you have your geography right... Comiskey Park. Then, 
As the crowd watches in, watches in hushed silence, somebody at the back of the room, although really it's the back of the crowd, it's the middle of the room now, she takes a step back and she falls to the ground and she lets out a blood-curdling scream because there, bloody and dead on the dance floor, surrounded by shattered glass, lies Ken fucking Valentine. Finally. Folks, that's the end of chapter one of Death by Disco. Once again, this is Murder Mystery Night Podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We are brought to you by Johnny Scott Comics and Games, located at 1703 East Main Street, Kent, Ohio. I have been your host, Riley Walton. You can find me at the Faker Walton on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Lemon Ben. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, either by Mahala White Cloud, or you can find me on Instagram at Menfia. You can find me crying in the club, but if you're looking for my socials, I mostly go by my name or Yasir P two underscores on Instagram. We are Murder Mystery Night Pod on Instagram, and once again, this has been Murder Mystery Night, the podcast. Everyone has their secret. What's yours? Thank you.